This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rochelle Travers, and this is The Leader. Details of the UK's controversial illegal migration bill have been revealed. Let's be clear they are coming here. We've seen a 500. We've seen a 500% increase in small boats crossings in two years. And this, Mr Speaker, is the crucial point of this bill. They will not stop coming here until the world knows that if you enter Britain illegally, you will be detained and swiftly removed. The legislation puts a legal duty on the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, to remove those arriving in the UK illegally as soon as practically possible. Those removed would be blocked from claiming asylum or re-entering the UK in future. The government also has plans to put an annual cap on refugee numbers. Critics say the proposals are immoral and unworkable, such as Shadow Home Secretary Yvette Cooper. This is deeply damaging chaos. And there is no point in ministers trying to blame anyone else for it. They have been in power for 13 years. The asylum system is broken and they broke it. Nicholas Cecil is the Evening Standard's political editor. So the government says this will allow the government to detain adults who arrive by small boat on UK shores for 28 days without bail or judicial review. They wouldn't be able to apply for asylum. They would then, in theory, be sent either to their home country or a third, what the government call safe country, such as Rwanda, and then they'd be banned for life returning to Britain or to work or even to come on a holiday. They would also not be able to use modern slavery laws to come to the UK uh, illegally. The government is also pledging to open up more safe and legal routes for people to come to the UK to claim asylum but not at this stage, only once its crackdown is working, if it ever does work. And they're also proposing a cap 
or the number of people who can successfully claim asylum in Britain. So the government is facing a big problem. It's a crisis level because it is currently unable to stop the increase in people risking their lives, often in unseaworthy boats trying to cross the channel. Tragically, we've had a number of deaths. Last year, there were 45,000 people who arrived in Britain by these means, at least. Those are the people who were detected. And the numbers are only likely to increase. So it's a big problem facing the government. But the question is whether their measures will work. With the plan to remove those arriving illegally in the UK, how will this work practically? We've heard of the Rwanda scheme previously, but that appears to have stalled. Will this make any difference? Well, that's a big question, really. Will will any of this make any difference? So certainly... Then there's a backlog of more than 160,000 asylum claims at the Home Office at the moment. One thing that everyone's saying is if you actually speeded up all these applications and made the process far smoother, then Britain may not be such a, a magnet for asylum seekers because basically once people arrive here, their cases take so long that often that they, they never get removed from the country, even if their claim for asylum is denied. The Rwanda scheme is interesting because that's actually been declared lawful by the High Court. That's the case now going to the Court of Appeal and will probably end up in the Supreme Court as well. So the government would argue, well, the Wanda scheme has been proved lawful now and that will eventually work. But even if it did work to a limited extent, it's hard to see it being able to deal with the large-scale migration towards Britain. This is also a global issue. So the world is, in effect, getting a smaller place with better modes of transport, better communications people are becoming more mobile. And so for countries like Britain, they're likely to see an ever-increased number of migrants seeking to come here. Also, what is very interesting is that many of these migrants cross several countries, including several safe countries, to get to Britain. So why do they want to come to Britain? They don't want to stay in France, which is very interesting. And part of the reason is in English language. English is widely spoken, so it's easier for people to to communicate and find jobs. A lot of these migrants will, will have family or friends in Britain. And the other thing is that for all of the, the row about this story, Britain as a whole tends to be a tolerant country and is broadly welcoming to newcomers. As you mentioned there, the Rwanda scheme is already working its way through the courts. Could there be challenges to this new legislation? Yes. So, so these measures are even more controversial than the Rwanda proposals. And even the um, Home Secretary, she said that they kind of push the boundaries of international law. Well, I spoke to one leading expert this morning, Stephanie Harrison, KC from Garden Courts Chambers in London. And she says it will end up in the courts almost inevitably because, in her words, it doesn't stretch international law, it breaches international law. And she points to two key parts of the, the Refugee Convention. In the convention, there's a protection for asylum seekers to involve, get involved in some form of illegal travel or or being somewhere illegally because the convention recognises that to escape persecution, often you can't do that by normal means if you're fleeing a a brutal regime. And also it allows a certain amount of choice that you don't necessarily have to claim asylum in the first country that you arrive in. The other problem that the government has on this is that, so the plan is that you, you get detained people for 28 days when they arrive on small boats. So where they can house all these people, they've still got to properly explain. There's been a lot of criticism of the use of hotels at huge costs. So the, the government has pledged to find other accommodation at former military sites and so on. But that's yes, yet to be seen 
how it can be delivered. And then the Home Office has got a dismal record at actually uh, deporting people whose asylum seekers have, have failed. So w- what happens to these people after 28 days when they're still in the country? The government no longer has the power to detain them. So then they'll be either on the streets or back into society with very little support. So it, it's far from clear that, that the government scheme is workable. Let's go to the ads. Stay there to hear Enver Solomon, Chief Executive of the Refugee Council. Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime? This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. Enver Solomon is Chief Executive of the Refugee Council. I think it's definitely going to create more chaos. Um, It's going to create more chaos because it's going to result in thousands upon thousands of men, women and children thrown in detention with nowhere to send them to. We don't have removals agreements with countries that people are coming from. So Iran, for example, Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, these are countries that are war-torn or where they're very autocratic, dangerous regimes. We know what the Taliban's like. We know what the autocratic regime in Iran is like, chasing down its opponents. It's not possible to return people to those countries. So if they arrive, they're put in detention. The government says they will deport them. How are they going to deport them? It's not going to be possible. So it will result in thousands upon thousands of people locked up as though they're suspected terrorists with nowhere to go. If they release them from detention, they'll be left to disappear into the margins of our society, facing destitution, unable to live, unable to work. And it will just create a huge amount of chaos at vast cost to the taxpayer. The government is also saying that it could deport people to so-called safe third countries. So countries like Rwanda that the government has deemed are safe. The problem there is, is that the Rwanda deal is caught up in the courts facing legal challenge. That's not so much the issue. The issue is even if it was operational, the numbers that could be sent to Rwanda are only 200 a year. That's the current deal with Rwanda. And at most, Rwanda will be able to accommodate 300. So again, it's going to leave thousands of people locked up as though they're criminals, as though they're suspected terrorists with nowhere to go. And just imagine what this bill is actually doing. A family that has fled the clutches of the Taliban or the autocratic regime in Iran, where they're facing beatings and torture, or the bombs and bullets of the civil war in Syria, 
or Eritrea, because this is where half of those that come across the channel, these are the countries that they come from, they're going to be locked up and treated as suspected terrorists with nowhere to be sent to. It's a highly draconian measure, and it's the kind of behaviour, I think, that's associated with autocratic regimes such as Russia, Myanmar and China. The Home Secretary made the point in the Commons that many people arriving in the UK illegally travel through safe countries to get here, where they could seek asylum, and many also come from Albania, which is deemed a safe country. What is your response to that? Well, there's a number of things to say there. Firstly, in relation to Albania, we don't doubt, we're not naive, that there might be people coming from Albania who are economic migrants that don't face a well, what's called a well-founded fear of persecution. And if that's the case, their case should be looked at and then they should be returned to Albania. Or we create an economic route for them to come because there's huge short, labour shortages uh, across the care sector, the building sector, other other sectors. But if we don't want to do that, then of course, return them to Albania. But there are lots of Albanians and nine out of 10 women and children that come from Albania are allowed to stay because they face exploitation, they face human trafficking. And it's right that then they're allowed to stay as refugees because they need protection. The argument that everyone is passing through a safe third country, well, it's important to think about what happened with Ukraine in responding to that claim. When the war broke out in Ukraine and millions of refugees poured out of Ukraine, we didn't say you all have to stay in Poland in the neighbouring country and that Poland is a safe country that you should stay there. Or that indeed Germany is a safe country that you so you should stay there. We played our part and we've welcomed over 200,000 Ukrainians. Germany welcomed over a million. Italy welcomed up to 200,000. France too. And what that tells you is that in response to those who, through no fault of their own, face war and terror, bloodshed and violence, that countries come together and share the responsibility for allowing them to be safe, to settle in countries where they can be safe. That's what we do, we should be doing in relation to Afghans. That, that's what we've done in relation to Ukrainians. And it's no different than if you're Iranian fleeing persecution or you're a Syrian fleeing civil war. This is a global challenge, the current refugee movement of people. And it's important to remember, too, that most refugees stay in their neighbouring countries. They don't travel to our country. They don't even travel to Europe. Eight out of ten will stay in neighbouring countries such as Jordan, uh, near Syria, such as Pakistan, next to Afghanistan. They won't come to Europe and they won't come to the UK. But when they do, we should do what we've always done. And we did when people fled before the war in the former Yugoslavia, We allowed them to have a fair hearing on UK soil and we must continue to do that today. And that's it from The Leader. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. 
QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.